hey, the people functions at big companies have more silos than a dairy farm. But as learning folks especially, we need to work across those silos because we represent the whole company. We're going to talk about de-siloing the learning functions with McKinsey's own Heather Stefanski on the Learning Geeks podcast starting now. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. How's everybody doing? Great. It's pretty good. It's Friday. the weekend. It's Friday. We were all just saying in the green room, we are so glad it's Friday. It has been a week. Uh, As Bob before this was telling people to stop texting me and pinging me. I literally was like, I had to put my teams on do not disturb. Otherwise, I was going to be working during this podcast recording. (laughs) That's not, that's not, it doesn't make (laughs) it good for you, dear listener. Oh my goodness. It's not really good considering that you are not really the main host, but you do drive the whole thing, you know. uh, You know, uh, tops and bottoms, you know. (laughs) Uh, Hey, um, I just want to say really quick before we bring on our guest, I'm behind on Loki. Like, I think Loki's okay. Mm. Loki's okie dokie. Lo- yeah. <laughs> it was the first dad joke. But yeah, I-, I saw it last night, the finale. Oh, was it that fi- Was that the finale? Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, see I'm about three episodes behind. You know, I-, I-, I love I love it. I love the, the time travel stuff. I yeah. think the finale was great. The music. I thought they really brought it together. It's something I probably need to go back into, but it I really liked it a lot. Okay, good. All right. And I got to I got to confess, I'm now on my third season of Rebels. Awesome. Actually, I, I, yeah, I've I've, I've watched I've watched two and I've watched 3 and 4 and I watched all of 1 and now I'm finishing up or I'm just starting into 2. It gets better and better. So, it does. It does. Including the quality of the animation gets better and better. And Dana, yes. if you make so. it through the end of that series without yeah. shedding one tear, I will oh, give I will. you an ice cream cone. <laughs> From well, your own basement. From your own sure. basement. <laughs> from, from my own soft serve ice cream machine. Thank you. You're so generous, yeah, 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 Mr. Yeah, Bob. Yeah. yeah. But hey, let's bring in our guest. And Jake, because you have a little bit more of a relationship with this person than Dana and I yeah. do, uh, I'm going to ask you to introduce Heather. Sure. So I reached out to Heather to see if she wanted to join the show. She is a listener. Although she has told us that she sometimes listens to the show before she goes to bed. So I think that's just a way to get her to fall asleep faster. But uh, no, you put the sleep Bob, timer on. Heather puts Bob, the that sleep might timer help. on. Bob, yeah. that might help you and I too. I know you and I both have sleep problems. Maybe we should listen to old episodes. That's exactly. Great. Yeah, that would work. But, but but I asked Heather to come on because I did want to talk about this topic of de-siloing the people function. So I know I've said this before in the show, but we do a yearly learning trends analysis and we look at the macro level trends disrupting all domains and industries and identify the ones we should care about. And this idea of de-siloing the people functions was a really strong signal that we thought we should bring up. And I think Heather, to me, is a pioneer in this as a leader to the point that she's not just the chief learning officer, but the chief learning and talent development officer. So looking at the larger picture, not just in classic L&D, but people analytics or how do we work more with talent attraction function or our performance development colleagues? So really trying to bring it together for that more seamless, frictionless experience. And I think, and I think Heather, you can also see that in Heather's background. You know, she's been uh, to school for education. She's been to business school. She's worked as a consultant and then various roles across people, talent, and now learning. 
So from what I know, she's landed in the spot that truly brings all of her passions together. So Heather, I don't know if I did that justice, but maybe you can introduce yourself as well. And, you know, welcome to the welcome, show. Welcome, Heather. Yay. Thank you. Well, I'm very honored to be here. Although, as Jake knows, um, one of my uh, true deficiencies is that I do not follow anything related to sort of Star Wars, <laughs> public, <laughs> any oh, of those things. Oh. So I, you know, I, I will fall short in having a discussion about that. But I absolutely- so, so when you listen to our podcast, Heather, do you skip the first five minutes? Uh, no, I do listen because I'm a learner. Oh. So okay. I, I, I want to learn. So I, I actually, I've learned even today, I need to go find out what Loki is and where you actually <laughs> watch it. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm excited about that and I might have something to talk to my children about. The other thing that Jake is very good at is giving me things to talk to my boys about that I feel very credible. So when they saw my recording setup, they were like, how did you know to buy that? And I was like, oh, I got this friend named Jake. <laughs> she did yeah so the other day she messaged me and she's like one of her boys said hey mom why do you have that and you know she has this new yeti mic and her headphones all set up so yeah she's she's going she's good i'm good i'm yeah. good yeah That's so great. and i didn't realize it why i said how do you guys know this i was guess you use these for gaming too so but yeah no i'm yes. i'm excited to be here i was really excited um when jake asked me to come and talk about the de-siloing of the people function um because i have never thought of myself as in any one people function you know i've been in roles across the organization i've been in recruiting i've been in learning i've been in talent i've been in um you know professional development which you would call them all you know, functions within the people function. But I've never thought about my role ever having really any boundaries. Um, and I've approached any problem as kind of what is the business outcome we're trying to drive and how do we bring all the parts together in service of that from a people perspective. So Heather brings up a great point of always tying it back to business problems. And that reminds me of, Bob, what you were talking about in the pre-show. Right. And what's your name of your blog again? Oh, it was Pizza and Beer. I wrote this last week. And what was the premise? So, I mean, the general premise of it was across the learning field, the, the metrics that we tend to look at are like how many people attended the training and what was the satisfaction score at the end. So my thought was, let's just advertise that we're providing limitless pizza and beer at a learning event. We'll get all of these people showing up because they get free pizza and beer, and they'll be super happy. They'll give us 5.0 scores at the end of the day. And so we can say, hey, this is great. <laughs> and I, I did I did on the top of this blog, I labeled it like, this is satire, because I had to be really careful that people <laughs> didn't think I was actually recommending this. Of course, I was saying, like, it doesn't matter unless it leads to business results. At the end of the day, it's about us changing behaviors, changing performance in ways that lead to better business results. Sorry, Heather, you were going to say no, something? No, I was just going to say, even that point about analytics is a great one, right? Because often we think about just thinking about the analytics that we as a learning function can measure, right? And so yeah. those are just related to the programs. And really, you've got to look comprehensively across the sort of people function outcomes. We've got a great example of a learning program that we run. It's a huge investment for us. We bring all of our managers together in Cambridge and we run this learning program. One of the business objectives of the program is building people's networks, Yeah. right? And so we actually mm -hmm. want to be able to measure how we're building people networks. 
Well, that requires having a kind of a networking tool that sort of our people analytics teams have built. So I can actually track how people's networks change when they Mm -hmm. go to this program and what it looks like. And I can now confidently say, guess what? If you go to Cambridge, your network immediately increases. And by the way, you also sustain a broader network. But we in the learning function couldn't do that alone. We have to decide that as a business outcome, we value building networks. In learning, we can help teach people how you do that, you know, how you build the relationships, et cetera. We have to have make sure that it's valued in our evaluation processes that this networks are important. We've got to make sure our people analytics functions and digital functions are creating mechanisms for people to be able to see how their networks exist and how they're building, et cetera. And with that sort of integrated approach, you then can be able to say, you know what, we're actually moving the needle on this important business outcome that we're trying to drive. Heather, how do you keep the metrics uh, employee focused? Or do you keep them? I'm, I'm thinking you do, right? Because it's the employee whose network expands and yeah. So we have, yeah, we have a visual, it's called a, it's, and it's not so much metrics, but it's tools to help them enable, right? So we have a network navigator tool that I, as an employee can go into, and I can see what my network looks like. Here's the 20 people you have strong relationships with. Here's the people that you have weaker relationships. As a leader, I can actually look and see how I'm spending my time to sort of say, am I actually spending my time with the people that I care you know, most about? And then the other thing about it, it says, here's who your people in your network are networked to, right? So it's a way for them to go, you know, how to expand your network. So we sort of make it a visual useful thing versus something that like, oh, Bob, you've got seven people that are in your network and Jake, you only have four. So you want, Jake wants to go from four to seven. We're trying not to make it like a checkboxy thing, but sort of a, as I'm developing and growing at the firm, this is something that's really important. So it's kind of a six degrees from Kevin Bacon map. You, again. <laughs> yeah, I think the whole purpose when they developed that tool, Dana, is that they just had Kevin Bacon in mind. I think they had that even stamped up on the whiteboard while they're working on it. <laughs> so, so, Heather, I would say in the last month or two, you know, maybe even more, you've been on a tour, which I would call it, uh, talking with a lot of people, whether it's from other CLOs, other chief human resource officers, your own colleagues, but... This whole trend back to de-siloing people functions, what have you heard from others specifically in how the other leaders are dealing with this? What are they talking about? What are they doing differently? Or what do you think maybe worrying others about this? Um, So I think everybody, I would say that there's a big thing that everybody's thinking about it, right? Because everyone's really trying to move from um, kind of siloed decisions that they made, whether it's bringing in a technology or a certain learning program um, and recognizing that starting with the tool or we were just joking about skills, starting with like, oh, I'm going to build out a whole skills taxonomy or I'm going to bring in eightfold. If you don't, if you don't approach it with a business problem that you're trying to solve, you actually don't get the traction that you're trying to achieve. Right. So if you just bring in eightfold because it's this bright, shiny object, um, and somebody said it'd be great to have eightfold and oh, your seven competitors have eightfold, but you're not actually bringing it in with a business outcome that you're trying to drive and you won't get the impact. And if it's also, if it's brought in a siloed way, I was just talking to one CLO who was describing how their people digital team brought in eightfold. The learning folks didn't even know that this was happening. They just brought it in, right? 
And again, it wasn't brought in with an integrated approach to thinking about upscaling, et cetera. So I would say this is a theme that's coming up over and over and over again, um, whether it's related to time to learn, how do you surge on skills, you know, you name it. People are recognizing that where they make the most progress is when they have an integrated solution. Now, the challenge is, how do you do that in a lot of organizations, right? Um, because a lot of organizations, I mean, I'm I'm super lucky in the sense that underneath my kind of remit, if we need to sort of figure out something, let's just say we want to focus on apprenticeship, which you all know is a big theme, right? Under apprenticeship, like within my remit, I can think about how do I change the evaluation criteria to re- reflect we value that? How can we change what we're doing in terms of our analytics to be able to measure it in a way that's super effective? You know, how can we embed it further into the way we work? And how can we build sort of upskilling around it? So kind of, you know, inside my remit. But a lot of folks, you know, they're, they're maybe they're running an L&D organization. They don't have control over the leadership development model and how we think about evaluating people, right? They don't, they're not able to, you know, bring together resources from the analytics function to ensure that they're measuring things in a way that's actually associated with driving business outcomes versus just what's happening in your learning program. And so I feel very lucky. I think one of the things, though, that we are doing more and more at a people function is we are trying to get alignment across to say we all agree that apprenticeship is important. So everyone in all the aspects of the people function, how are you going to sort of implement that across the function or feedback is really important or we really care about creating more client counselors. Right. And so it's like we take all the pieces to say we all agree this is a theme and we're going to go because the other thing that happens in a really de siloed world is like I may have feedback as a priority and the analytics function is still prioritizing building out more network maps or something else. And so you're almost competing. They're coming to you and mm-hmm. say, Heather, build me some learning programs on networks. And I'm going to them and saying, hey, I need you to measure feedback like you know, so, and I'm sure you guys have all faced those situations where you're almost fighting for resources and priorities within the people function. In a, uh, in a siloed organization, often those silos are seen as fiefdoms, right? I have my people, I have my power, I have my rules and policies. How do you, how do you tear down the fiefdoms to, you know, have that free-flowing conversation about feedback or apprenticeships or whatever the you know, the most important things are. Yeah, I think there's got to be sort of leadership from the top that's really helping to, you know, drive, you know, the importance of collaboration, right? Um, you know, so as a, as a people function, we've been talking a lot about um, uh, moving people across the function, right? And so as a leadership team, we're talking about how can we do that more explicitly and or making it um, clearer that, you know, if I look across my learning organization, I would say, a third of the folks in the learning organization come from other people functions, right? So we've hired them from recruiting. We've brought them in from professional development. If you look at my own background, right? Um, And so just having people that are spending time in those other functions help breaks things down, right? So as a leadership team, we're saying, hey, can we do more of that more intentionally to kind of break down those barriers? And by the way, we're finding recruiters make excellent learning people, right? right? And learning people mm-hmm. make excellent professional development people. And, you know, we're all about the people function. And by the way, when they come back to learning, they're even better at the work they're doing because they really understand sort of, 
you know, what, what you're trying to build and drive and how it actually plays out in sort of the different populations. So that's yeah. one of the things we're doing is just really try to, you know, sort of force more of the flow of folks across. On our calls, we often talk about the principles of durable learning. And, and what I'm hearing is there's several that come to life through the structure you talked about, right? When people move into a new context, they start to understand understand the context. Later on, when they have discussions, they are more relevant discussions because they understand that context. And that that allows for more social, uh, social learning, social integration and collaboration. Mm-hmm. So love that. Sorry, Bob, you were about to jump in with a question. I was, but you know what keeps happening is I think of questions and I'm about ready to ask them and then Heather answers them before I ask them, which is great. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask, does, like, Bob. how do you do this? Is it rotational programs or whatever? Okay, yeah, it's rotational programs, right? Or, you know, I like, how, how do you do it with the people who, who want to uh, cling to their silo? And Dana's like, yeah, they're doing fiefdoms. Like, oh, no, I got to come up with another question. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then let's focus specifically on L&D because, again, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are learning development professionals or teachers or some kind of educational background. But what about those individuals? What do you think are the skills that they need to start developing or things people need to do differently than what we've always done in the past? Yeah. So to me, the biggest thing, and Jake knows because I push uh, our organization on it a lot, is you know, this notion of what are you truly trying to do? I'm trying to build capabilities. And so having the skills to understand how you build capabilities in the broadest sense, right? Like what is the role of feedback um, and or, or, or on the job, you know, efforts in that? Um, what role can you play in supporting that, right? So it's, it's this notion of really thinking about building capabilities. I sort of joke about, you know, look, if, if all you're here to do is build learning programs, like that's, that's nice. But what I really want you here to do is build people's capabilities. And so if you came back to me and said, hey, like there's this particular skill gap that we're trying to fill. And Heather, the best way to fill it is to do the following seven things that have nothing to do with like building a learning program, like huge win. Like I would be like, that is amazing. And then having the capabilities to be able to support that. So what would you put in to change the evaluation criteria, right? Like what what would that look like? Um, you know, if you were to create some sort of impact measurement more broadly, like how would you create, the, one of the other things we're actually working really hard on is the, this notion of business outcomes. So before you tackle something, can you define the business outcomes and then can you measure them? So we're actually running a learning program right now for all of our folks um, across the learning organization to focus on establishing business outcomes and then measuring the business outcomes, right? So that's, and that's, you know, a skill that we should all have, but it becomes increasingly important um, as we pivot to sort of having this de-siloed approach. One of the other things is, you know, we having a lot of our learning colleagues sit in reviews, right? They actually sit in the review processes so they understand the feedback that colleagues are being given and like how they need to action that feedback, right? Because they need to, again, understand holistically how we develop people. Heather, let's get to the nitty. Oh, I'm raising my hand because I'm asking a question before it's answered. Okay. (laughs) Um, Let's get to the nitty gritty about how you all define capabilities. Because we've been having this conversation the last couple of weeks. I'm a big Mm -hmm. fan of the idea of capabilities, but I want to hear how you describe them and compare them to how we, how would you define it to to a five-year-old, what a capability really means, like as compared to a skill. 
oh, I, I try not to get buried in these terminologies, right? Because again, I'm, I'm focused on what is the business outcome I'm trying to drive. So I am trying to create more people that can more effectively counsel CEOs. Is that a capability? Is that a skill? Does it really matter? No, because what outcome I'm trying to drive is I want more people to be able to effectively counsel CEOs. So what do I need to do that, right? So what is the, what are the gaps? Well, a gap may be that, you know what, they don't have um, enough, you know, corporate finance understanding of, you know, what the board is thinking about. Okay, I got to build that skill. Actually, they're, they're really crappy at relationship building. All right, I got to build that. And you can call it a skill, you can call it a capability, whatever you want to call it. I'm focused on, you know, people that don't have this thing and let's get them that thing. And how do I get them that thing? And by the way, sometimes the way I'm getting them that thing is purely by apprenticeship, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to do is help uh, people create operating models that are going to support those opportunities for apprenticeship. Other things might be, actually, I need a learning program on that because they don't have that learning program. Or I need some sort of like long-term coaching approach to support these colleagues as they're sort of running into tough challenges. So I try try not to get, I've, I've gotten lots of people that want me to like define a skill, Heather, define a this. I'm like, no, 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 I don't care. Like, it's not relevant. <laughs> I want to know what I'm trying to make happen. Right. Yeah, it's, it's the performance that matters. It's the performance At the end of the day, that that's matters. it. Right. That's I love it. that. That's all yeah. that right. matters. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I, I'll tell you what I find. I, I find, especially across our, our industry of corporate learning, we use a lot of words and we don't always have the same sense of meaning of what those words are. And that can cause, oh, that, sure, can, sure. that can yeah. cause a problem. So, you know, yeah. the, the way that I think of capability and like, I'm not going to get into an arm wrestling match over it, but I think of it as a skill is you have the ability to do something. Uh, a capability means you've got the skill and you're also enacting the behaviors to make it happen. And so, and yeah. so the end of it is exactly, we're saying the exact same thing. It's the business yeah. outcome. Right. And you know, Heather, I, I would even I would even push you a little bit on your earlier thing. I'm guessing you don't really care so much about do you have a lot of people who can enable CEOs. What you're really going for is enabled CEOs. Yeah. Right. Like that. That really is the business outcome. And so, whatever it takes to make that happen is what you're going to go after. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Right. And yeah. And I totally agree. Right. I'm much more concerned like that they're actually using whatever the skill, the capability in practice versus, again, building the skill for the sake of building the skill, which, again, is something that I also, you know, push my learning team on is you're really trying to get the behavior to happen in action and people to feel confident in that behavior, right, in whatever they're demonstrating. Um, So that's, that's what we're driving for. And so how you figure out how to do that, and again, I would say that any of these things to truly surge to make a difference, you've got to go at it from a integrated approach. You've got to go at it from role modeling of senior people in terms of what those those things look like. You've got to go at it from the evaluation criteria in terms of what you're measuring for folks. You've got to go at it by providing colleagues sort of evidence of are they making difference on it, the, the networking example, right? Are they actually able to improve on that? And you got to go at it from some sort of, you know, skill building, learning programs, et cetera. Um, 
So it's just, that's, again, so if that's what we're trying to do, having siloed approach with the people functions, you know, really makes it much more complicated to drive that kind of outcome. A lot of the things you're hitting on are, are driving a culture, a full culture of learning. That's correct. And often culture, uh, when you're trying to build a learning culture, often that's inhibited by different policies or procedures. I don't know if you've encountered that. And if you have, how have you been able to to change some of those policies? Or in some cases, it's the things we measure. Let, let me give you an example. Um, we're trying to drive more learning into the flow of work, right? But we measure and reward people based on courses and curriculum, right? We don't measure them based. And and so, I mean, that's one example of a, something that we're wrestling with is how do we change things so that we can put the reward structure in place so we're re- rewarding the, the new behaviors. So have you encountered policies or, you know, procedures or uh, measurement that are kind of institutional that you're trying to change as you're making this uh, move to being de-siloed? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great example of measuring learning hours, right? So the team that's measuring that quite a bit and said, look, I don't want it just to be the programs. If they if they use our coaching resources, that needs to count. If they use our digital coaching performance support tools, that needs to count. If they hang out and learn now for a while, like that needs to count. So I'm trying to sort of evolve those metrics, you know, further. Um, the other thing we're trying to do is, and we're working on this as many are, is like other evidence of learning that's not hours-based, right? More outcome-based. So you have achieved a credential where we are comfortable that you can now lead a digital transformation and you've got that credential. Um, and that shows up as something. Because again, because what I'm really wanting to know is, are you building those skills? And maybe you didn't show up in any learning programs to do that. Yeah. Um, because you actually learned it all in the flow of work. And that's amazing. So I shouldn't yeah. like, you know, ding you on the fact that you're really effective at learning in the flow of work. Like, that's awesome. It's better because we didn't have to spend the money to train you. <laughs> right? Like, as long as we're achieving the same business results. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? And so it's what other what other things can we kind of start to move towards or migrate to, right? Um, one of the other metrics that, that I drives me crazy is this notion of um, we're measuring, always measuring penetration of programs, right? Like, you know, what's the penetration of this program with this audience? And I was like, you know, actually, if we're doing a good job building that skill or capability, you know, in the flow of work, um, then nobody shows up at the training program. Actually, maybe that's a good thing. Right. Yeah. So that you're starting to measure empty seats as a rule. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean, but it's one oh, of many. Okay. Yeah, it's one of many, right? I think it's it's this conscious concept of like needing to look at it from multiple angles, um, which is really important. So the key to that is assessment, right? Yes. Like you can make that argument as long as you have a way to assess whether the people who did attend the training or the people who didn't attend the training are hitting the business results that you want. That's exactly right. One of one of the things we're working on right now is like um, kind of calling it day one. Are they day one ready? Right. And you know we've had in the past an onboarding program, which is like a standard three week onboarding program. Right. We get a lot of feedback from the business, like, hey, that's a long time. Three weeks is a long time, um, and you're pulling them out of work. And then we also get the feedback, and you're sending me all these people that aren't ready to work. Like they don't know what they're doing. It was a huge recruiting mistake, right? So you get you kind yeah. of hear both, right? And yeah. I'm sure you guys have faced that as well. But the answer is actually very personal. 
right? Because I've got some folks that came in that have like all the business background they need. They're rockets and stars in Excel, et cetera, et cetera. And I have other folks that maybe, you know, did something more unusual when they joined the firm and were really excited about, you know, some set of skills that they bring to the table, but they don't. And so what if, you know, we created much more of an assessment approach to say, okay, we're going to assess you at the when you come in. It's totally developmental, but based on that assessment, you're going to get, you know, now there's some part of onboarding that's like, here's the values, here's the culture that everybody's got to do because you got to do that. But maybe that's only three or four days, right? And then from there, you actually make it completely personalized. And if you are a rock star in Excel, you skip that whole thing. If you already know all the corporate finance capabilities, you skip that whole thing, right? And so, and for some people, maybe it's going to take them four or five weeks to be day one ready. And other people, it's going to take them four days. And that's okay, right? And I think Mm -hmm. overall, it would probably end up costing the organization less. And we would be confident to be able to say, when I hand you off from the onboarding, I am confident that you are day one ready. All right. So I'm conscious of the clock on the wall. And maybe I'll tell my future self, Jake, here to cue up some game show music. (laughs) I want to get your hot take, especially after talking with so many people and senior leaders. What do you think is the one thing that will be different in the learning talent development space in the next couple of years? Well, I mean, you, you can't answer that question without saying something about AI, right? So, I've, yeah, right. So, I mean, that's that's sort of the baseline, which I think is um, is you know, AI is going to significantly change you know how we work and what we do. But I also think there's a movement of leaders, and I'm hearing it more than I've ever heard it before, in terms of um, actually taking a clean sheet and saying, how would we structure the people functions? to actually deliver on these business outcomes in a much more effective way. Um, and will L&D exist as L&D, right? Um, and I, I just I just, am hearing it more and more. I heard it in some conversations I've had in Europe recently. I'm with a bunch of CLOs two weeks ago um, in New York. And th- more and more it's coming up to say, hey, you know, should we actually really think about restructuring? I'll just give you a couple examples, right? You know, we're thinking about our assessment. We used to have an assessment organization that just sat in recruiting. We're thinking about creating assessment as a vertical capability for all, mm-hmm. right? Because we need it much more in development, in sort of learning and development. Yeah. Our design team, what about that design team? Can it not, and they're, you know, Jake and the team are already doing this, so I don't even have to tell them to, but like this notion of they're designing for the people function in terms of supporting development, whether it's designing what the evaluation forms look like, you know, designing how we think about capturing feedback, that it's much broader than just designing L&D. And I can imagine having a bunch of those verticals as well. So I think it's going to be, It's I, I always tell everybody, I think the next five years are going to be the most interesting five years to be an L&D in the last 50. I don't know what you guys think, but like it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be super fun. It's great. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks, Heather. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. It was this so great having fun. you on. Yeah. yeah. And now I'll have to see when I listen to one of these, if I listen to myself, if I fall asleep or if not. If you fall right so. back asleep, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be your go-to. <laughs> Exactly. Your audio ambient, as it were. Exactly. You're going to have this episode favorited so that we can <laughs> <go to> sleep. <laughs> and then she'll be like, what is that Loki thing again? Exactly. Yeah. And she drifts off to beautiful sleep. Well, and then she'll watch it and she'll she'll have images of the Loki scenes in her head and that'll wake her up wake again. Wake her up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's weird. Spaghetti Whoa, people that's and strange. all that stuff. So, yeah. Well, hey, as this comes to a close. Fun. Yeah, thank you, Heather. It was great to have you. 
Uh, Jake and Dana, as always, thank you for being my buddies and pals and partners in this. Uh, of course. Always a lot of fun. And thank you to you, our listeners. Uh, we'll see you real soon on an upcoming episode of the Learning Geeks podcast. But until then, stay geeky. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.